This is an ABC podcast. This is Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber. The stage has always felt like home to Clenneth Pombo and it all started at church. Singing in front of congregations eventually paved the way to entertaining the masses. Clenneth first set foot on the professional stage when he was just 17 years old, hosting a comedy TV show called The Wall in Papua New Guinea. Today, Clenneth, also known as PNG for Reels, is one of the country's biggest comedians. Clenneth, welcome. Tenka true. Uh, hello, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Clenneth, growing up, how much laughter was there in your family home? Oh, I would say that my dad was, in his friend group, my dad was sort of like the guy who was always making the jokes here. So there was always laughter laughter in the home. And yeah, we ourselves basically grew up entertaining ourselves. We'd, we'd have little dramas and little shows and uh, all of that stuff. So it, it, it was always there. What little shows? Can you tell me a bit more about that? Oh, like just little dramas at home that we ourselves would put together for like uh, mom and dad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like we'd do our own casting, our own costumes and whatnot and makeup and all of that sort of thing. And then it was just, yeah, it was just for, for mom and dad. Like we'd have family, <laughs> we'd have this thing every Tuesday. It was called family night. So we'd have a dinner and then basically do a little show or a talent contest. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you made someone laugh? I mean, we did it all the time, but I think my first experience with like performing for people who weren't my family was, I mean, my immediate family was at my um, my cousin's farewell dinner because I do um, accents and impressions as well. So I was basically put on the spot to do like a goodbye speech or my cousin who was going to be heading out uh, to do university overseas. So I was, I was to do it. I did a farewell speech for him in like a Scottish accent. <laughs> Is he Scottish or you just decided to do it in a Scottish accent? No, it was, you know, when you can do something and your mom is just going to be like, do it. And you're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> can you do a little preview for us? Oh, in the accent, yeah. <laughs> so it was basically, I, I just said, uh, well, good luck on your journey, Richard. We're all going to miss you, but go over there and do the family pride. So it's just like... <laughs> so how do you do this? Do you watch them online and then you pick it up? Because that was brilliant. Oh, yeah. I basically, I learned a few of the cadences and like some of the keywords and then the rest, I'll just mm. pick it up. Like one of um, the biggest ones for the, the Scottish Scottish accent is the vowels. And how they pronounce their R's. So things mm. like school with skill, ready, ready, like things like that. So then I would just go over that over and over and then I'd, I'd pick it up eventually. It's a lot uh. of um, talking to myself in the shower, yeah. Oh, what a craft. Well done. Um, before you got into accents, though, like a lot of Pacific Islanders, your first taste of being on stage was in church. What do you remember about those days? Well, my mom was a singer and she sang in a lot of churches. So usually when there was like a big church gathering or whatnot, it was almost mandatory for our family to be 
on stage because everybody just were, enjoyed it and they were blessed by it. So like we would all be harmonizing and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's just always been in the blood. Yeah. Mm. How did it feel for you being on stage? It felt natural. It was it um, mm. wasn't necessarily like you know oh we have to do this again. It was just like something that I did. I enjoyed doing it and seeing people being like enjoying it and being blessed by it was also like something. And then you get a little bit older and you realize that okay, it's it's more than just singing. Like it's actually touching people, you know, in a way that most other things can't. Hmm. So you found you found that it has deeper meaning than just um, delivering melody. Tell me, how did you make the segue from singing in church to comedy? Well, I was good at, you know, making written jokes. So I would make um, posts that were funny and, and memes and all of that sort of stuff. Then I realized that if I could just then deliver it in speech, it would be just as funny. <laughs> and how did that go the first time you tried that? Well, I got a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> What was the job? The, the, the TV show when I was uh, 17, yeah. I was called The Wall. Uh, it was, it was the, the first actual purely comedy TV show in Papua New Guinea. So I would have, I would be writing my own funny material at the time. I'd be giving out these jokes and everything. But then at the same time, I'd be introducing other acts who would be coming up, you know, do like a 10, 15 minute set. I'd be in between just being the host, keeping the crowd entertained and keeping everything flowing. Produced by a lovely lady uh, uh, named Eileen, Eileen Icy. So that was my first real job. It was something that like I was just in, in the deep end, but then she was very good. So she let me play to my strengths and she just guided me on uh, my weaknesses. I think mm. what she did basically influenced the rest of my journey. How much did that gig launch your career? You know, it actually got me seriously into written material and studying comedy in general and how it, you like trigger laughters, the types of comedy that are out there, how to write properly. Hmm. Um, basically, everything about the game, I just, that's when it all started. So it, it's very, it was very pivotal, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> was, was, your, was your family supportive of your decision to do comedy? We're Pacific Islanders. We, what is comedy? <laughs> they were like, what? <laughs> if I told... My grandmother in the village that I did comedy, she'll be like, huh? What? What is that? <laughs> so what was, what was the comedy scene like in PNG when you decided to pursue stand-up? So we, we have had a few big names, but they are more into slapstick. Papua New Guinean mm-hmm. comedy is very physical. It's... Yeah very expressive in your body and not necessarily about what you have to say. And the actual comedy scene where, you know, like you'd have comedy clubs or basically just like a comedy night where people would come and just sit and laugh, it's non-existent. So I was basically almost starting from scratch. So we do have a few other other comedians, um, a few big names 
but they did not, not I'm, I'm not trying to tear down the legacy or anything. They didn't really set up the comedy culture and get people interested in going out to shows. Because usually what they'd be doing was just gigs. They'd be asked to, you know, go do this at a festival or uh, be part of a lineup of singers. And then just in the middle, there'd be a comedy act. It was mostly that. There were gigs, but no actual, just pure stand-up show. Yeah. Do you remember your first stand-up gig on stage and how you went? I do remember because my very first, in the middle of everything, I forgot my lines. Oh, yes. Happened to the best of us. What did you do? No, I just told people, oh, shoot, guys, I, I forgot my lines. And they laughed. <laughs> I was still doing my job. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> you laugh, so it, it still counts. But that's one of the things about being like a comedian. Going blank on stage if you were a singer would be a huge trouble mm. for you. It would just be troublesome. And like most negative things that happen in, in your life are counterproductive. But with comedians, negativity, uh, negative situations is just material it's pure gold especially when it's about you and things mm. that have happened to you so now i just basically use that it's just like i went blank on stage now it's funny like it, that's i use that as material yeah Clenneth, just before covid you launched one of the first dedicated stand-up comedy nights in port moresby how did that go it went really well actually it really yeah. did <laughs> it, it went well because I was just coming off my, I was on TV for a talent show and I did, I came, I was in the semifinals, right? So this was broadcasted everywhere and then people saw me and then on my page, they were messaging me saying, oh, you should do shows. So I did. <laughs> and then the momentum was building so good because I started in, the, uh, in December of 2019. And then I was building, I went into January, went into the new year. I was all hyped. This is going, this, this is it. I've made it now. I'm rich. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then COVID hit. I, uh, I have a, I have a ton of jokes about that, but that's, they're not appropriate for radio. <laughs> <laughs> so COVID hit. Can you tell me, did these comedy rooms come back after COVID? Are they still around? No, it really knocked the wind out of my sails. Okay. And trying to rebuild everything again from scratch is has been has proven to be difficult because this is not something that business houses, you know, bars and clubs, so forth, they're just not open to the idea. So are there any other comedy rooms that are around that are helping up-and-coming stand-up comedians? Or is it just whatever you and your comedy mates put on? It's what we put on. Yeah. There's no, I mean, that, that's the way that I would have, I would have rather have it anyways, um, where we ourselves do it and whoever wants to, you know, come on board with us and, and help out with the dream, great. But that I would rather have it that it's um, run and created by comedians themselves. You're listening to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber and I'm speaking with Papua New Guinean comedian Clenneth Pombo, also known as PNG for Reels on Facebook. Clenneth, what was the aim of that page? 
Oh, okay, I started the page in 2016 because at the time there was a lot of division. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of division still. And the page was basically made to point out to society that we shouldn't be fighting each other. Because at the time there would be different provincial pages and they'd be going on about, oh, women from here are better, or food from here is better, or the roads are better, blah, blah, blah. So I created a page to say, no, 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 let's not be stupid. We're all going to have to work together if you want to get anywhere. So that's been the main gist of the page since day one. Why PNG for reals? It was just to be real and, and um, to, yeah, to be my, my, my realest self and to be present what I, I, I wanted other people to notice and, and to see as well. And to be like to be as real real as possible, and to keep it real. That's basically where that came from. What kind of comedy did you set out to create? Observational humor is my strength. Pointing out things about society and all that, but in a more humor through the hum- prism of humor. Right. Your page now has sixty four thousand followers. When you first started the account, did you ever imagine it would become so popular? I didn't. I didn't think it would become popular. I, I That wasn't the intention that I had. I did want to reach as many people as possible with my message and how that would happen. But then through the bed, I was like, okay, this, this is something that's happening and it's happening in real time. So I really started looking at how content creators would do stuff and studying the game and how to run pages properly and all of that sort of stuff. And, it, and through that um, process, it also um, birthed basically the little company that I run now. So apart from the comedy and all of that stuff, I do um, production and marketing for like a lot of SMEs in the country. So I help them as a sort of consultant to have them have stronger online presence, a stronger online presence and using social media to sell their products and to have a, uh, like a proper marketing strategy and all of that sort of thing. What do you think people are drawn to when they come to your page? Uh, I think it's the unfiltered way I present things. And I, I the main thing that you I hear, like a lot of people say to me over the years is, okay, like, you, like, I really do stick to my name. I, I, I tell it as it is. And even though I'm making jokes, it's funny. It's funny, <laughs> but it's real at the same time. So you're laughing and then you go, <laughs> but he's right though. He's, he's right. Why, how is this happening? Why, why we need to change this? So that's basically been what people have been drawn to. Yeah. It's funny, but it's real. Mm. Uh, Clenneth, social media is an absolute beast, always needing to generate new content. Where do your ideas mm. come from? Uh, life, life in general, um, current events, things that I've observed, and just random 3 a.m. thoughts. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> if you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning with an idea, can you give me an example of what those ideas are? Brave of you to assume that I'm waking up at 3 a.m. Um, <laughs> It's it's not waking up. It's uh, been up. Yeah. <laughs> been up till 3 a.m. All right. <laughs> Working hard. Uh, what, are the, what are some of those Working thoughts you, that are popping up? 
uh, random weird things. Mm. They're mostly, you know, the the it's a lot of mental mental issue because you're in your own thoughts all the time, especially somebody who who like as comedians. One thing that is very underrated about comedians is we absorb we absorb a lot of information. We're very good at mm. absorbing information, and then giving out the information, disseminating it in a way that people will then digest as humor. It, it, it takes a lot of thought process. So for people who think that it's an easy thing to just get into, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of brain juice. It's definitely yeah. not easy. And and comedians have a, a good way of turning negatives into positives. What would you say is the saddest thing that you've turned into comedy? Oh, um... My love life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I hear you. <laughs> Go There's on. lots of material there. There's like tons <laughs> of material. It's one of those things where like those really bad breakups, you know, like had somebody for six years, next minute she like pregnant with her co-worker's baby and then it's <gasps> like, huh? Oh, so, yeah, no. That's just material in itself. That is just pure gold. <laughs> How long do you have to wait until you can laugh about that? Uh, I think, I don't know, it was, it, that relationship was like six years long. So mm. it, it took a while. Mm. <laughs> and how did, how, how did you make it funny? I had to. I had laugh to because, yeah. You describe yourself as boy best friend material. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> Again, not the most not the most physically attractive person, but then I'm very nice, right? So I've got someone that <laughs> people are necessarily like instantly attracted attracted to. Right? I'm not unnecessarily just to stop people in their tracks. I'm like weigh you down, like water you down slowly until you don't realize that I've ha ha had my way. Into your heart. I, that's basically my MO. <laughs> now, Kenneth, how does it feel having to be so vulnerable in the content that you create? I think one of the things that uh, has really drawn people in is the fact that I am not afraid to, to show the vulnerability, but not in a like, oh, feel sorry for me way. I, oh, I'm vulnerable. Mm. Have pity on me. No, I'm showing the vulnerability and having people realize that this is a true thing that happens to all of us. We just don't have the 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 capacity or the, I don't know, the courage to talk about stuff because we're afraid to be seen a certain way by our peers or people around us. And then I'm just here like, no, guys, this is how I feel. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you feel the same way. And we need to do something about this because this is a real issue that needs to be addressed. So then a lot of people resonate with that. And that's why they say, okay, we need, we do need to talk about this. This is something that really should be happening. And we should be honest with ourselves and keep it real. Hence the name. So, yeah. What other events in your life have motivated you and your content? Um, my mom's passing. <clears throat> so in 2018, my mom got 
really sick. We get to the hospital, and unfortunately, this is a reality that Papua New Guineans face. Mm. Machines aren't working half the time. Um, proper tests can't be made. You're waiting hours for a doctor. No one sees you. And we practically waited. And basically, during the time of, of waiting and the doctors running around, not necessarily knowing what to do, um, we lost her. <clears throat> so a lot of my satirical jabs at the politicians um, stem from basically not wanting other people to go through what I went through, what our family went through. And <clears throat> it wasn't just through the humor. I, um, a lot of other projects I've gotten involved with, um, programs that do donations to um, hospitals and all of that sort of thing, um, visit, uh, do visits to the children's ward and orphanages and all of this sort of stuff. And sponsored to my page, <clears throat> I would then get them involved in the programs that I would have, I created. Hmm. I'm so sorry, Clenef. How important was it to have an outlet an avenue to create change after losing your mum? I think it's kept me sane. So it is very important because <clears throat> I'm very expressive. I'm spontaneous. I'll have outbursts of, of um, emotions. But now that I have an outlet, it, everything just gets funneled through the outlet. I honestly don't know <clears throat> what I would be like if I didn't have one, my family, my parents, and their principles and the, the, the teachings that they gave me, and my page. I wouldn't know. Uh, the outlet, sorry. <clears throat> this is just a page, but an outlet, a proper outlet. So it does play a pivotal role in what I do and who I am <clears throat> and how I express things. Did changes come as a result of your content? in terms of the hospital system? Yes. I mean, I've, I've always been sort of pulling at the thread and poking fun at stuff, and I've gotten a few, you know, <clears throat> like threats and whatnot from supporters of, of public figures or, or influential people that are in spaces that could create change but are not doing it. And I'd be pointing stuff out and, you know, making fun of them, satirical humour. And their, their supporters would be, you know, all up in the comments and everything. But then I, I, was, I got used to it and I would address it the only way I knew how. It's like mm. by being as real as possible, showing people what the actual problems are, but not just talking from home. I'd be on the ground doing it. So then they couldn't. What are you going to say? Like, what are you, you going to come at me with? I'm not just speaking off my head and pretending to know these things. I'm here on the ground and I'm doing it. Where are you? Join me. Yeah, I love it. Fair enough. Um, as we spoke about, you have a huge platform on social media, 64,000 people following you. Uh, what responsibility does that come with? 64,000 is the page following and the people that I reach a month is between 900,000 and 1.5 million. 
That, wow. That's the reach that I get. So the responsibility is heavy. And the thing was, I didn't really feel it at, the, at, 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 my, at much until one day, like, like a kid, maybe around nine, nine, ten years old, small kid, comes up to me and says, he watches my content and he, he really, he loves what I do. That set me, like, in my place. That got that me almost scared because I didn't, I wasn't necessarily thinking that children watching my content so then that just shifted everything like in my headspace i had i had to now i factor in the fact that children are watching this so i try to be a good example as much as i can I, i have to still be myself but be a good example at the same time Kenneth, you've obviously done incredibly well with the page and your profile but you could have taken another path in sport. What did you play? Oh, yeah, I played soccer, actually. I, I was very good. Growing up, like it's, we were very sporty. So the, the Highlands in, in PNG is dominated by two sports. It's, I'm, part, mm. I'm, part, um, I'm from the Highlands as well. So it's rugby or basketball. Growing up, I realised that, yeah, no, I'm not tall enough for two of those sports. So <laughs> I stopped <laughs> playing both of them. <laughs> and then I, I saw um, Lionel Messi. I was like, okay, no, I can, I, I can play, I can play soccer. So I, I transitioned into it. How tall are you? I'm 160 centimeters. Hey, that's perfect for soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm, yeah, I'm really fast. So why didn't you continue soccer? It sounds like you were pretty good. I mean, I did make it up to the the semi-professional national league. Oh wow! Unfortunately. There's a lot of um, things that can be improved in the local competition. And one of them could be the way that they pay players. And unfortunately, um, we weren't being paid. Unfortunately, passion and love for a, a, a sport doesn't pay the bills. Are you happy with your decision to pursue comedy over soccer? Oh, I would say, financially speaking, it was a better decision. <laughs> Whether I'm happy or not, I wouldn't say I'm happy because I love soccer and I'm very sort of like disappointed or like heartbroken with the way that they handle things. And I would still, if I can get very rich and have a, a, a soccer <laughs> team on my own and I play all of my, I pay all of my players well, I'd, I'd do it. I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, and, Kenneth. Yeah. What power is there in a laugh? It changes everything. It really does. Um, like for comedians, you're basically selling happiness. <laughs> yeah. For a short while, you just make people forget about whatever it is that they're going through. For an hour, they're just laughing their lungs out. Right? And to see the smile on their face is what brings me joy. And seeing the money that they paid for the tickets also brings me joy, but not. Nah, it's, um, it's very good to see people enjoying what you worked hard on to present to them and have them appreciate it. it it's a great feeling. And the power of a laugh can change someone in ways that you don't know. Like someone could be having the most 
I've seen a lot of these comments where in my, not just from the set, but from my content, people say, oh, I've made the day or I've made the year. This is the funniest thing they've ever seen. Or they were having a bad day and they came across this and it made them smile. It made them laugh. The joy that that brings me is I, like, it just, like, it's humbling, but at the same mm. time, it's just, so it's pure. Plenith. Thank you so much for joining me and for turning your life into content. I have no doubt that your mother would be very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been fun. Of course. That was PNG comedian Kenneth Pombo, also known as PNG for Reels. You've been listening to Stories from the Pacific. I'm Bobby McCumber. To catch more great stories about incredible people from the Pacific, just search for ABC Pacific. You'll also find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you know someone who should be a part of this show, you can email storiesfromthepacific at abc.net.au. This story was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people. 